Hello everyone and welcome to episode 318 of So You Want To Be A Writer. My name's Valerie Koo and I am CEO of the Australian Writers' Centre, the country's leading centre for writing courses. And I'm here with the very clever Alison Tate, also known as A.L. Tate, the author of the Mapmaker Chronicles and Adaban Cipher series. How are you, Al? I'm I'm okay. I'm I'm wet. What? I'm soggy. <laughs> I'm saturated. My garden oh. is underwater. My okay. like everything about my house is wet. It is a bit and saturated. Like that. Yes. And yeah. And, you know, just I mean, you know, we've gone from we've gone from bushfires to bushfires. floods. Yeah. And it's... it just continues. That's right. Well, but I have to say that the floods are at least more conducive to copy editing than the bushfires. <laughs> bushfires yes. are. They're yes. kind of stressful but in a different way. Yes, and possibly marginally better than the bushfires as well. Well, you have to stay like and also like they they're kind of like they're, you know, from a writer's or editor's perspective, they require long periods of time spent indoors as the rain buckets from the sky which means that you actually just have to do your work it's so you true you cannot procrasty walk no or procrasty weed or procrasty any outdoor activity or procrasty so, socialize or procrasty yeah, socialize, as much. Mm. anything nothing at all so anyway so my, expect- my copy edit is continuing apace um and i managed to i had to put a, an update on facebook yesterday because I went shopping yesterday afternoon. I just need this is my daily life, right? I went shopping yesterday afternoon to the supermarket because I needed to get supplies for my dinner. And I had a list. Mm-hmm. I was very organized. I specifically went. It was pouring and yet I went mm-hmm. anyway. And I got to the supermarket and I was wandering around the supermarket and I was so busy in my head with mm-hmm. my copy editor and this one key point of logic that I was struggling with. Um <laughs> that I, you know, did all my shopping, I got home, I put everything away, and then about 40 40 minutes, an hour later, I spent 20 minutes looking through the darkest recesses of my refrigerator, which, as (laughs) anyone will know, can be a very, very, you know, worrying place to be, looking for the cheese that had been at the top of my list for my shopping, which I had cleverly managed not to buy because I was so deep in my own world. So here's the thing, you know, like you really do have to focus when you're doing the daily tasks when it comes to actually, you know, creating a shopping list. At least this, it wasn't like the time that you were at the post office. Just for any new listeners, maybe you can explain (laughs) what happened when you were deep into problem solving one of the plots of your books. Was that the post office or was I buying a milkshake? I can't remember. Anyway, I was somewhere and I was so deep in in my own head with this whole thing. I was waiting for whatever it was that was going to happen. I can't remember where I was. Um, And the person said something to me and I responded with the dialogue that was playing out in my head at the time, which had not one thing to do with whatever it was I was supposed to be doing. And the poor person behind the counter just like was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it wasn't quite that bad, but it it did mean I had to go back to the supermarket, which was, you know, annoying, shall we say. Anyway, so I'm doing that and I am also (laughs) – 
preparing for my uh, event, my Shoehaven Readers and Writers Festival event. So if you want to be a writer, two hours of fun and frivolity and useful, useful information. Um, So I'm putting that together. um, And, yeah, that's, you know, that's kind of been a whole lot of mumming. Yeah, that's me. What about you? What are you doing? (laughs) Oh, goodness me. Um, Okay. That's so uh, we saw the rooster. <laughs> the rooster was in the oh. was in the podcast community. Romeo. Yes. What was the Bon Jovi yes. reference? Romeo. I didn't get it. I, I sorry. I I missed this it. This Romeo is bleeding, but you can't see his blood. <laughs> Seriously, it's from Always. Of course it is. Yes. Anyway, bye Bon Jovi. Okay. <laughs> so thank you to uh, everyone in the podcast community who um, left me some kind messages. Um, I really appreciate it. Uh, And, of course, if you are not in the podcast community on Facebook, make sure you join because it's where Al and I hang out. It's where the party is. It's where our listeners are. And they're all such wonderful listeners. So if you're new to us, then go to Facebook and search for So You Want to Be a Writer podcast community and request to join. We'd love to have you in there. Now and we want to. No, 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 don't, no. don't move okay, on. Don't go. It, don't move if on. you are new to us and you have no idea what we are talking about with regards to Romeo the Rooster oh, and why yeah. Val is singing Bon Jovi songs at me, um, do you want to explain who Romeo is? Okay, so I've just nicknamed him Romeo. Yeah. Uh, and if you are new, I'm a Bon Jovi tragic. Uh, but the rooster has nothing to do with Bon Jovi except that <laughs> by that subtle thing with the name. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but uh, I designed a public art installation for the Sydney Lunar Festival. It was commissioned by the City of Sydney and it was a rooster and it was one of 12 large public art installations. So the rooster was five metres um, that were displayed on the foreshores of Sydney Harbour at Circular Quay. And um, there's a picture, yes, uh, in in the podcast group or you can just go to my website, ValerieKudu.com. And, um, yeah, it was a really wonderful experience and a great opportunity to de- design something so large <laughs> it was large wasn't it enormous it was large well yes. done valerie thank you well done on your yeah. large rooster <laughs> we want to give a big shout out to victoria via instagram now victoria put a post on instagram and said one of my goals for 2020 is to publish a collection of short stories about love self-love and discovery it's on my vision board that i posted the other day however i have basically zero training in writing i've been just been spilling out my soul black on white so my first conscious action towards the goal or at least a first edited draft was to sign up for a creative writing course and it started this week i chose the writer center because i've listened to their podcast so you want to be a writer for the past three years and besides constantly cracking me up with hilarious jokes and comments made by the two awesome hosts val and al it has also given me the hope that i too can become a published writer through all the beautiful interviews i've heard and the tips and tricks Today, for the first time ever, I spent three hours on developing my main character. Although a completely novel exercise to me, I had a blast. Excited about the next five weeks of Victoria's course, that is. That's so cool. Go, Victoria. And you know what? I'm going to think that the hilarious jokes are probably mine (laughs) and the comments are yours. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) We'd love to see your posts on Insta or Facebook. Just, yeah, make sure you tag us. Um, We'd love to see what you're up to. If you are doing some writing, tell us what you're writing. Mm. Let's move on to the world of writing and publishing. You have a post for us uh, from the Creative Pen. 
Um, yeah, so this is just a, um, because I'm, my thoughts are starting to turn towards um, what I might need to do later this year to um, help promote my novel that's coming out in September, which is called The Firestar, a Maven and Reed mystery. Um, but, you know, you start to think about all the various things you need to do. And obviously, I've, this is not my first rodeo. I start to, you know, put together lists and start to do some things. And fortuitously, the wonderful uh, Joanna Penn, who, of course, runs the website, thecreativepen.com, uh, which is a terrific uh, website full of tips about, you know, publishing and um, promotion and she has a podcast and anyway, she's, she's pretty awesome. We actually interviewed her, you know, way back in the early dark ages of our, of our own podcast. Mm. Um, but she keeps a very, very useful and informative website. And she had a post called Book Marketing, Reach More Readers Through Guest Posting. And it just made me start to think about the sorts of things that you need to think about if you are planning to use that as a way to, um, to you know, help spread the word about your own book. And mm. I do think it's a, it can be an incredibly useful tool for, you know, putting your book in front of, um, in front of audiences that are not necessarily, you know, your own, uh, because each blogger has their own audiences. But you, one thing I, do, I, I wanted to talk about here, and it's, you know, they talk here about the sorts of things to think about, you know, how to reach your target audience and, you know, how to do it effectively and m which mistakes to avoid, um, you know, and it goes through the process of researching where you might want to do your uh, guest posts, networking with the kinds of people that you might want to you know, like approach with regards to doing a post for their blog, um, thinking about the pitch for it. It's like anything, you know, you need to actually pitch your idea. You can't mm. just go, I want to write a guest post about my book. It's like, okay, well, what's it going to be? Yeah. Like, obviously, if your book is nonfiction, it can be a lot clearer. Um, you know, the idea, the angle for your for your guest post may be clearer. Um, if you're writing fiction, you sometimes have to really think outside the box. If you are going to talk to um, a blogger, a, a, you know, or an online publication about doing a guest post of some kind, you need to be able to say who you are and why you are the, a, a good person to write this particular post, what you're going to actually bring to the table. Um, all of those kinds of things are, are, are important and they are also uh, covered in the um, in the guess in the in the post online that I'm talking about but um one thing I I wanted to talk about too uh, particularly for authors of fiction because I think a lot of people jump into guest posting as a way to kind of like you know like get the, the word out without thinking too much about who's reading the posts um, mm. I think it's really important to think about the audience um, of, you know, for example, if you were going to pitch to the creative pen, to Joanna Penn, she does take guest posts. Um, I think this is actually one, to be honest. Um, you you need to think about who's reading her blog. So who's reading her blog? Yeah. And the people who are reading her blog are, generally speaking, writers. Yeah. Um, they are writers who are probably looking at, you know, trying to, you know, get their own work out there, promote their own work. So if you're going to pitch an article to her website – you need to write something with that audience in mind. Now mm -hmm. that is a that is a um, you know that that's for writers. That's often a default because we love writing about writing. We love talking about writing. Yes. I have written so much about writing over the years. <laughs> it's not funny because it, I, it, I find it very easy. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously, when I'm writing a, a guest post on behalf of you know you and I promoting so you want to be a writer, the book makes mm -hmm. perfect sense. When I'm writing a guest post about 
you know, the Mapmaker Chronicles, you know, wanting to, to promote the Mapmaker Chronicles or wanting to promote my new book, which is also, you know, upper middle grade fiction, is the creative pen the best place for me to put that post? What post can I put on that particular blog that is going to be effective not only for Joanna's audience but also for, you know, getting hold of some people who might want to read the book? And is that yeah. therefore then the best place for me to put that particular blog post. So what I always say to people is to think when you're actually writing your guest posts and things like that, think about not, you know, think about where your readers might be. And sometimes your readers are in places that you would not necessarily expect to find them. So when I'm working on guest posts and doing things for my um, for my middle grade fiction, I, I look for parenting bloggers, I look for parenting mm. websites, or I look for I look for ways of putting the book um, in front of, you know, people who might buy it for my readers. Because obviously my readers are not specifically going to be um, online in a lot yes. of places because they're younger. So mm. I have to think about who's buying these things. So that, that was just something I wanted to say is just like, if you're going to pitch, and I get, here's the other thing, I get a lot of pitches from writers mm. for my website, you know, people who want to write a post for me for my website. I don't run a lot of guest posts. I do have the author spotlight aspect of my uh, of the Your Kids Next Read group. And one thing that I always say to people who are pitching me to write for that is think about the fact that you want me, what you want most for me to do here is to put this post in the Your Kids Next Read Facebook group where there are now 10,000 members, all of whom are interested in children's fiction, all mm. of whom are parents, teachers, educators of some kind, booksellers, et cetera, et cetera. You need to pitch me a post that that audience, not necessarily even my usual audience, which is, you know, a mix of writers and readers and all sorts of different things. You want to pitch me a post that I am going to share into that community. Yeah. And that's what you've got to have in your mind. Because if you don't pitch me the right post, I won't put it in there. I'll put it on mm. my blog, maybe, if I think it's mm. a solid idea. But if I don't think it's relevant to that audience, I'm not going to put it in that group. So all of these things are things you have to have in mind. And you need to have your kind of author business head on when you're thinking about this stuff because otherwise you can write a lot of words that don't really go anywhere. So think mm. about where you're going to put your words to get the most uh, benefit from them. And here endeth the lesson. No, that's a really good point. So, you know, you need to be strategic about it and really think of the outcomes as opposed to just going crazy and go, I've got a guest post everywhere because somebody told me mm. to. Mm. Yeah, really, really good points, Al. All right, let's move on to our next link this week, which is on the Writer Center blog, 12 Things We've Learned from Judging Furious Fiction. Now, this got shared far and wide because it's um, some really useful tips as well that you can draw on it if you are entering Furious Fiction. Now, if you're new to us, Furious Fiction is uh, this really cool monthly competition that happens on the first Friday of every month. It starts at 5 p.m. on the the first Friday, at which point you have 55 hours to write 500 words or fewer in a furious fiction short story competition, and then entries close midnight on the Sunday night, and um, someone wins $500, $500 every $500. month. $500. That's right. 
every month. And um, if you want to be notified of it to make sure that you don't miss out because it is the first Friday of every month, then join the Furious Fiction fan club at furiousfiction.com.au. But just some tips. There are 12. We're not going to go through all 12, but uh, a couple of things that I think are important. Number three is it's not a race. (laughs) Now, (laughs) sure, it's called Furious Fiction and sometimes people call it Fast and Furious Fiction, which I don't mind because I really love those movies. But um, you don't have to – it's not a race. You don't have to – you don't get extra points if you get in there fast. Sometimes it's useful – yeah, or first. The fastest entry we ever received was in six minutes. Are you serious? I'm serious. Six, six minutes. minutes? Yeah, someone wrote their short story in six minutes. I would suggest that even if you write it in six minutes, you have a think about it, you kind of let it sit, and you reread it and make sure that it's, you know, really the best that you can because that when you submit the best you can, you have much more chance of winning as opposed to if you just write it in six minutes, right? Yeah, wow. Now, the other thing is with 500 words, every word has to count. So you need to open really strong. This is not something that you can meander into and finally get to the action at word 450. You, no. If you've only got 500 words, you've got to get, get in and really, really early. Um, another one is be realistic with dialogue. Um, I, that's a real bugbear with me because you, if I read dialogue – whether that's in short stories or novels or whatever, that is inauthentic or that character which you've already painted would not use that word, you've lost me. I suddenly uh, can't, I get it's so jarring and distracting and I just go, they just would never use that word or they would never say that, you know. So you've got to be realistic with your dialogue um, and authentic to that character, of course. Um But, you know, there are a whole lot of other fantastic tips in there and you can have a look at that on the Writer Centre blog, which is writercenter.com.au slash blog. But, of course, we'll put the link in the show notes. Like I said, we're not going to go through all of the tips, but if you are wanting to enter Furious Fiction, which is now two years old, we had our second birthday, Mm. um, make sure you check out this post. I think my my favourite tip is number 12, you're all awesome. Yeah. (laughs) It's so true. It's such a great community. It is such a great community. I love it. And I love watching because, you know, I'm sort of keeping an eye on the Australian Writers' Centre Twitter account. And, of course, it's just it is the busiest weekend of the month when that is on because there are so many people there you know, wishing people luck and cheering everyone on. And it's, oh, it's lovely. It's a very touchy-feely warm. I love it. It is. And you've got to be in it to win it. But even if you don't win it, it's great to be in it. It's mine. You? Yeah. Right. Let's move on to our competition this week. This is a really cool one because we interviewed Nick Gadd uh, on episode 314 about his book, Death Death of a Typographer. And it's just a cool, quirky story. Martin Kern has a special sensitivity to fonts a skill that he uses to solve typographical crimes. When a local printer is found dead in his workshop, his body in the shape of an X, Martin and his co-investigator, journalist Lucy Tan, are drawn into a mystery that is stranger than anything they have encountered before. Someone is leaving typographical clues at the scenes of a series of murders. 
This novel takes the reader into the arcane world of typographers and their typefaces, symbols, swashes and glyphs, where the difference between a serif and a sans serif could mean life and death. Such a great premise, isn't it? I just love it. Oh, it's so clever. Absolutely. Do you know, I have friends... You know, I have I have designer friends who clearly state that you know they that the sight of you know what's that damn font called? Is it Comic Sans? Comic Sans, yeah. That the sight of that like leaves them feeling murderous. So I'm not sure if if that's sort of a thing amongst designers (laughs) everywhere, but um, yeah, it just makes me laugh so much. It's fascinating. It's Yeah, it's really cool. So we have three copies to give away, Death of a Typographer by Nick Gadd, and um, entries close on the 24th of February. So go to writercentercomau slash win and uh, follow the instructions to enter this great, great competition. So writercentercomau slash win. Now, Al... Oh God! Do you know I'm feeling some pressure here because there yeah. was a bit of discussion. Well, there was some discussion in the podcast community last week about the fact that you know, Al, we had to miss a, a week there due to <laughs> ro- well, let's face it, due to roosters and copy edits. Let's face it. Yes, yes. Um, and you know, there was the, they're all waiting for the word of the week, and then there yeah. was this. Well, you know, I trust Al will be suitably unimpressed, and then I'm thinking. Oh, what does suitably unimpressed sound like? How am I going to maintain that every week? And then I thought, you know what? That's probably just what I sound like all the time. It's all good. <laughs> all right. Ready? It's Previse. That's P-R-E-V-I-S-E. Previse. Mm. Do you know what that mm-hmm. is? I don't. This means to foresee or forewarn. So you might say, even the country's top economists weren't able to previse the government's new shopping tax. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. previse. It's a good one. I don't really use it, but I like it. Okay, yes. <laughs> the the, the, I, the sorry, enthusiasm's I, overwhelming. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm lost for words. I would, no, I was thinking um, about whether or not that would be a word that I've ever seen or would ever use, and I think not, but that's okay. Thanks okay. for sharing. Thanks for sharing, Valerie. Let's move on to our writer in residence this week. Al, I believe that she has done um, a number of courses with the Australian Writers' Centre, writing picture books, writing books for children and young adults, as well as the freelance writing course. Who is she? Well, her name is Charlotte Barkler, and we had a very, very interesting conversation because, um, you know, we started off with it, you know, obviously we know of Charlotte because she has done the courses, and that is one of the genius things about doing Australian Writers' Centre courses is that you immediately become part of our wide community and family. Um, But the interesting thing about Charlotte is that she has got three books out this year. Two of them came with two different publishers. So two of them came out, you know, in February this month and one of them comes out in July but the story of how she got to this point of you know going from there and the, the two out this in February are both taboos one's a picture grade a mm. uh, picture grade one's a picture <laughs> book and one's a middle grade uh, out in the same month two different publishers but the, the, the conversation we had about where you know how this happened and we, how she got to this point was was I thought very interesting but the other thing we discussed was um, the middle grade that she has written is a, is a funny sort of um, 
you know, book, middle grade book. So we're talking, you know, uh, about 25,000 words. It's got illustrations. It's kind of crazy, zany. It's all about science experiments that go horribly wrong. It's called Eater's Experiments. Um, and it's very much like the sort of thing that you would expect to find, you know, Treehouse, um, you know, those sorts of yeah. mostly boy books. Yeah. And we had a very interesting conversation about how she came up with this notion, the idea that this had to be a girl character because she originally started out thinking it was going to be a boy. So anyway, um, here's our conversation. I hope you guys enjoy it. Charlotte Barkler is an Adelaide-based writer who has worked as a civil engineer and physics teacher. She now writes children's books and her first picture book, All Bodies Are Good Bodies, was published by Hardy Grant Egmont in January this year. As well, the first book in her debut middle grade series, Edie's Experiments, is out this month with Penguin Random House Australia, with book two to follow in July. Welcome to the program, Charlotte. Thanks for having me. Well, so you're having quite a big year. Like it's here you are with your three books out with two different publishers all in the one year, debuts all over the place. Tell us about how it happened. Like, how, What's your journey to publication? Yeah, sure. So um, it started, I started writing as a hobby um, in about 2016 um, after I'd, I'd been taking maternity leave for my second child. And yeah, I suppose having two young kids, I've been spending quite a lot of time in the children's section of the local library, um, as you can probably imagine. And I um, started to have ideas, I guess, for writing a picture book of my own, uh, having read so many. And um, to be honest, one of the reasons was, obviously, there's a lot of wonderful, fantastic picture books out there, but there's also some that are not so great. And I kind of thought to myself, I can do better than this. <laughs> so <Right>. I decided, <laughs> yeah, it, um, that was just one of the reasons, I suppose. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I started putting pen to paper and experimenting with um, writing picture books. Um, and it was actually probably only the second or so book that I experimented with that ended up being All Bodies Are Good Bodies that was released um, this month, uh, sorry, last month in January. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I, I suppose I started writing picture books as a hobby. Um, it was a really good kind of project to be doing on the side as well as um, obviously looking after my kids. Um, and yeah, as I kind of went along, I was enjoying it more and I joined some writers groups um, at that stage. I was living in Brisbane, joined some local writers groups up there, I uh, joined the Squibby online ones, um, just kept developing my skills, did an AWC um, course actually at that stage, a picture book writing course. Um, okay. So after you'd written the book, you did the yeah. course? Okay. Yeah. yeah. And had, yes, the, had you done anything with the book at that stage or you had, had basically just, you know, drafted the manuscript and you had it sort of there and you were a bit like, what do I do now? Was that where you were up to? Well, no, I think at that point, whenever I wrote All Bodies Are Good Bodies, um, I wrote it quite, uh, I suppose, reasonably quickly and got it kind of, I was happy with it. I hadn't even joined a writer's group actually at that stage. I just kind of, I really liked it. I was really, um, I guess, passionate about the theme of it, which is body positivity and diversity for young kids. And I thought I'd really like to see this on the shelves um, and I think a lot of kids would benefit from it and um, yeah so then I just kind of started researching how to actually get published because I had no idea um, and then I found out that 
some publishers are open to um, submissions, unsolicited submissions. So I, yeah, drafted cover letters and just sent it out without really knowing too much what I was doing. Um, so concurrently with that, I guess I'd kind of sent them all out and I sent the manuscript out to a bunch of places and was just kind of, yeah, I had no idea if anything was going to come of it or, or not or that was fine. Um, and then in the meantime, I kind of was developing my skills more and joining writers groups and then I thought, oh, I'll, do, I'll actually do a proper picture book course. Um, okay, so you had completed the manuscript and sent it out and then then came to the course. What yeah, did you discover right. like from doing that course, like from doing the writing picture books course, were, were there any major revelations in that for you, given that you'd already completed the book and sent it off? Like, what did you discuss? What did you learn from that from that course that you kind of didn't know? Uh, yeah, so I guess it was really good with giving you the basics of, um, you know, the thirty-two page um, structure and the format and how to, yeah, just kind of all the the know-how that goes behind it. Um, so definitely, it really helped with the other like. I mean, since then, I've written a lot of other picture book manuscripts which haven't um, gone anywhere, unfortunately, yet. Um, but they definitely helped hone my... Uh, sorry, the, the course itself helped hone my skills for developing those other manuscripts. Um, but in terms of all bodies, good bodies, because it isn't a narrative exactly, mm. it's kind of non-fiction, essentially. Yeah. So I guess it kind of um, didn't necessarily fit the traditional... Uh, 32 page structure anyway yeah. um, definitely doing the course it kind of gives you all the basics and um, all the tips and techniques and how to approach publishers which I mean I ended up I kind of researched it a few months earlier so that was that's always all fine but um, yeah it's always good to develop your skills uh, through in that way so as far as your science background and that particular book um, the the body's picture book did you like I guess you know there's a vast amount of science in bodies what we know about bodies what bodies do why bodies are good why they're not whatever um did you find that with when you were writing your picture book manuscript like you know as you said it's sort of more of a non-fiction how you know was the, the challenge of it actually just like trying to bring that down all that information concentrate that information simplify it enough for the audience that you were trying to get to or did you have like with your own you know children in the house etc and all the books that you had read did you have a fairly clear idea of what it was that you wanted to do with that yeah I did I had a pretty clear idea it wasn't and all bodies the good bodies isn't really I don't know, it's not actually really scientific, Science, like it's yeah. not talking about how the body works or anything. It's more um, how great our bodies are, I suppose. Like, yeah. I just, I wanted kids to be able to pick it up and to see themselves refre reflected in the pages. Um, so it's more to do with multiculturalism, diversity, body shapes, body types. Yeah. Everyone has different colour hair, everyone have, everyone's different heights, everyone, you know, yeah. all that kind of thing, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. as opposed to the... Uh, It'd be really fun to write a book that which kind of, I don't know, taught um, taught kids about the, I don't know, the way that you breathe and how your lungs work and all that sort of thing. But um, no, this one is kind of a bit higher level, I suppose. I yeah. I was actually um, a bit inspired by two things that happened actually. Um, one was my uh, just uh, things I'd overheard kids say, yeah. young kids. Um, so my three-year-old at the time 
said something about not liking the way she looked in a certain photo or something. And she was actually mimicking something I'd said. So uh, I kind of I noticed because kids don't come out with that stuff by themselves. So no. she mimicked something that I'd said about myself. Um, you know, being a critical adult, as <laughs> sometimes yeah. we all are. Yeah. And I realised, oh, she's copied. You know, that's not something that I want her to grow up. Um, yeah feeling and everything and then another a friend's daughter had come back from her first day of school and said um oh why why am I the only one who doesn't have blonde hair and blue eyes um and yeah just things like that I kind of thought oh there's something I can do about this and yeah I suppose that's where it it came from okay Yeah. yeah that makes sense so did you when you so you you've sent that sent that manuscript out um, you didn't have an agent or anything at that stage. It was just a matter of submitting an unsolicited manuscript. Did you have any idea about um, – did you just send the basic manuscript? Like you didn't put Illustrator notes. You had nothing on it to say this is what I've got in my mind or you just sent no, the manuscript? Yeah. I just sent the manuscript um, and like a, a pretty generic sort of cover letter. Um, I didn't break it up into spreads or anything, which is something I learnt I guess, um, through the AWC course um, and the writers groups and things that I was part of. But it was just broken into stanzas because that's essentially it's a poem. Um, And, yes, it was just kind of set out in stanzas. And surprisingly, I actually got a couple of bites of interest from (laughs) um, considering I just sent it off into the the universe without too much know-how. I did get – because at that stage I didn't – like I, I didn't know that much about traditional verse um, uh, vanity publishers and self-publishing and all that stuff. And, um, yeah, in the end, I had a couple of nibbles of interest, but the main one was um, Hardy Grant. And they actually picked picked it up off the slush pile, which was um, extremely... A miracle. Uh, I was really lucky. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was very lucky with that. Uh, and I don't, I'm don't. i trying to remember when that was exactly. I think it was, I don't know, maybe within a few months of submitting to them. Yeah. And um, the editor there uh, said, we're interested in this, but would you be open to working on it? And, of course, I said yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so then over a period of a few months, maybe even up to six months, um, just kind of back and forth, the editor would um, suggest different things and I'd work on it super quickly and get it back to her straight away and <laughs> because I was just really keen. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so eventually once it was up to um, all polished and she was happy with it, she took it to acquisitions and it got through, which was really, really exciting. Um, signed the contract and then the process between signing the contract and actually it being published in January this year was actually two years so it was quite a long um, my role was pretty much done by that stage because I'd um, yeah I'd kind of essentially done everything I needed to do and it was in the hands of the uh, the editor and the illustrator and the designers and everyone else who gets involved at that point and yeah, but now that it's actually out, I just couldn't be happy with how it looks, and out. I'm just super happy. Yeah. Did it surprise you how long it took, and like the fact that you're like essentially you'd done all the editing process before it even went to acquisitions by the sounds of things? So did it was it you know did it was there anything about that publishing process that kind of surprised you? Yeah, I guess probably the fact that I didn't really have to do too much once it was signed. I Except wait. I thought there would be more. <laughs> Um, what's that? Yeah, Except wait. Wait. 
Yes, yes, definitely. Um, I kind of thought there would be a bit more that I needed to do. Um, and there was, like, at one stage, I think initially we were planning for it to be um, 32, spread, 32 pages, and so it had a certain number of stanzas, and then um, I think now it's 26 pages and so yeah anyway an extra stanza had to go or, or I, had yeah. to, I had to do something along the way but um yeah that was just a, a small thing aside from that I really didn't yeah I didn't have to do too much all right so while that was all going on and underway um you were also working on this middle grade fiction series which is um out so the first book Edie's experiments what's it called how to how to make friends. How to make friends. That's right. Is out this month, and then you've got another one coming out in July, um, yes. July this year. So, n- tell us about this series because this is a different. This is a different kettle of fish. There is illustration involved in this as well, which I am going to ask you about in a minute. But, um, you know, it's it's a it's a whole different ball game. Um, obviously, much longer manuscript. Um, and, you know, what what set you off on this particular course? What made you think I'm going to, to try middle middle grade fiction? Yeah, sure. So I I guess after um, getting the contract signed for the picture book, I can't remember the exact um, timeline of events, but I'd been kind of working on picture books and that was my um, the aspect of writing that I was kind of pursuing. And then once I'd joined these different writers groups and things and talked to different people, I, I decided I'd try to um, work on something a little bit longer, mm-hmm. so in the middle grade. Um, and yeah, I wrote one manuscript, which um, yeah, I worked on that for a while, and uh, got it critiqued by my writers group and everything like that. And I think I did do this. I think I did submit that to some publishers too, but it didn't go anywhere. And then um, I started working on this other idea, which was uh, the science um, themed idea, which has now become Edie's experiments. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I started drafting that. I did actually look up my old draft so I could have the exact figure <laughs> <Well done. laughs> at the end of 2017. Okay. I think that's when I started doing that one. Um, at that stage, oh, I was back at work, I think around that time. Um, as a teacher and yeah so again I was kind of writing as a hobby and and everything like that in the weekends and at nights or whenever I could um, it probably took me about a year to get that one the Edie's Experiments uh, book one kind of uh, polished up and yeah I mean I uh, went through all the writers groups again for that you know got it critiqued and was part of all that feedback process I did also do the AWC um, writing for children and young adults oh, yeah. I think it was called yeah um, yes yeah, so I did that course around the same time as I was developing these skills um, yeah so eventually had it all kind of polished up and everything by about mid 2018 and then um yeah decided I guess knowing a bit more about publishing by that point I decided I'd try an agent um rather than approaching the publishers directly and yeah ended up signing with Sarah McKenzie um down in Melbourne Uh and so she sent the manuscript to a, a bunch of publishers around I think October or November 2018 and in December just before Christmas I had a nice little Christmas present of um, two publishers actually offered me a two book deal which is really really exciting. That is exciting. <laughs> so then I, yeah then I had the um, difficult but wonderful um, 
decision of <laughs> having to choose between two publishers. And yeah, it went down with uh, Penguin Random House and yeah. And here we are. Yeah. <laughs> so this one is uh, obviously like there is definitely like there are experiments and there are sort of there's slime and there's all sorts of you know fun things going on in in this particular series. This is obviously drawing on your you know knowledge of science. Was that something that you came to like? I mean, to me, it seems like a yeah, a no-brainer that that's what you would do, given your you know given your background. But did you actually have to work your way? into that in the sense that sometimes the no-brainer is actually I mean I know I found that with myself with the Mapmaker Chronicles like I ignored it for months and months and months because I it wasn't what I was thinking I was going to do did you have that or was that have have you been working on other ideas that also drew on science um it's it was really the first one that drew on science and Mm. Yeah, I guess it's interesting, isn't it? Like it does seem, I suppose it does seem obvious that I should write something to do with science, but um, sometimes you kind of want to experiment with other creative stuff as well. So the first manuscript, like middle grade one that I wrote, even though it hasn't, um, you know, it's not gone anywhere, but it was to do with princesses, just a funny story about princesses. So, yeah, I guess um, the science idea, I just thought... I hadn't really seen too many books that um, kind of expose kids to science but in a fictional, fun way without Mm. actually being educational. Um, And, yeah, so I had this idea for this funny character who would um, be trying to make friends and things are going wrong and there's slime and there's this and there's that. And, um, yeah, I guess that's where the character came from. Um, And it's interesting because I... My, fir- my initial idea, I actually wrote a blog post uh, for Penguin about this. My first thought when I came up with the idea was that it would be a boy character. Right. And, um, yeah, I think just because, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the humorous kids' books often feature boy characters and that kind of thing. Um, and so, I don't know, in my mind it just automatically was going to be a boy and then I kind of had to have a bit of a think and um, I guess challenge that subconscious bias and and actually I thought no it, it's it needs to be a girl actually <laughs> I, want, I wanted this to be a, a really strong funny determined girl um, and that's where Edie came from yeah well that's cool so she so that the thought you have gone it's and that's often the case too is that you will go to your first thought and then it's actually once you're halfway through writing it or you finish you sometimes finish it and you go back and you think wait a minute I actually need to cast this differently and it will be stronger um so was that a challenge for you though then to kind of like because as you say that area of the bookshelf if you go into a into a bookshop that age group that sort of eight plus um when you think of funny illustrated books it is often boy characters and there are often male authors and i would say you know good on you because i i feel like these kinds of books for girls um you know for for kids who are you know girls who are not necessarily who might be reluctant readers just like boys are reluctant readers you know girls are also can be reluctant readers they also like funny illustrations they also like crazy characters and crazy things going on um so it's great to see that you sort of like you know slotting into that 
into that spot because um, it is a very competitive section of the bookshelf as well. Like you've really got to do something a little bit interesting to stand out there. So um, did you do you feel all that stuff or did you just go, oh, look, I've come up with Edie and she's brilliant and I'm just going to write this? <laughs> no, I definitely felt all of those things. Yeah, okay. Um, I, I guess so it pretty quickly, I, I very quickly – decided it would be a girl I hadn't written it or anything like that like just when I was kind of um thinking about oh this would be a cool story I can just imagine this this character who does all these things and all these things go wrong it'll be hilarious and it'll have science and blah 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 and when automatically I thought like in my head I just kind of it was going to be a boy and then once I um kind of thought about it and thought no 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 it should be a girl because we don't see that enough so yeah, once I'd had that thought and resolved it in my mind, from then on, as soon as I started writing, it was a girl, and it was, yeah, and that was all, all, all good. But I guess as it's come, kind of closer to, as it came closer to publication, and um, and obviously once the cover was uh, determined and everything, I started to, yeah, definitely there is still kind of that doubt of. Would it have been? Would it be more successful if it was Eddie's experiments instead of Eddie's experiments? Like, <laughs> have I <laughs> have I um, narrowed my market too much? Um, that's just like a little bit of a uh, a niggling thought, but not. Um, I'm not interested. You know, I, I don't. I wouldn't want to change it. I wouldn't want to go back and and for it to be a boy instead. I'm really happy it's a girl, but. I just, yeah, it's just a bit of one of those challenges, I suppose. Oh, it's, uh, you know, it's partly writer self-doubt too. I mean, I, I yeah. can tell you that your book never, ever looks worse to you than the day it comes out on the shelves and you just look at it and go, <laughs> oh, my God, and you look at it surrounded by everything else that's out there that's amazing and you just think, how is this ever going to happen? Um, but, I, you know, like I, I think with the science, like there's such fertile such fertile ground for comedy in science. I know for a fact that, you know, I've got a couple of sons and we've had several science experiment kits and we I came home one day and my 14-year-old was in the garage with his friend, you know, hosing out the garage, which was highly unusual <laughs> behaviour. And I was like, what are you doing? And they said, oh, we were we were trying some science experiments. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> what happened? And my son goes of course, throwing his friend under the bus. Oh, you know, my friend decided to see what would happen if we put all the chemicals in at once and oh, it, yeah. like, it wasn't pretty. Anyway, yeah, so there's a lot oh, of, no. you know, okay. fertile, <laughs> fertile ground yeah, there. Um, for so sure, definitely. Did you find um, working with an illustrator, like you, uh, Sandy Flett is the illustrator on the um, – on Edie's experiments. Was it different yes. to working with the illustrator for the picture book? Like, did you have to do, uh, was there more or less? Did you have to leave more space or less space in the manuscript for the illustrations? Like, how does that work? Because they are quite a different style of um, of illustration. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, it was really interesting, I suppose, because it's the first time um, I'd gone through the process, so I didn't know what to expect. Um, so for the, uh, the picture book, Essentially, I didn't see any illustrations until it was pretty much, um, you know, ready to print almost. I mean, I did see some, but it was fairly, uh, yeah, I was kind of not, not really part of the process. Um, I did, I think, I'm pretty sure um, I found out quite early on who the illustrator was going to be, and I was super happy. Erica is awesome. And, um, yeah, it was just all in the hands of um, 
of the publisher and it has turned out wonderfully so it's all all fine all good uh, and then it was a slightly different process for the middle grade one so um uh yeah i think they brought on sandy oh i'm trying to remember how <laughs> when she came on board I can't exactly remember but um, once she'd kind of done illustrator roughs I think it's called like yeah. character roughs yeah. Um, yeah I got to see those and um, give a little bit of feedback and that kind of thing Cause you know how it's a bit it's a bit strange when you have imagined your character and then yeah. um, someone is bringing it to life and I mean she, she did an amazing job I'm really super happy with her illustrations I love her style and I love the the comedy that she's brought in through those illustrations um, and yeah so I guess I didn't have any direct um, contact with Sandy or anything like that it all went through the publisher the editor there and um, yeah I'd get to see them along the way though as opposed to the picture book I didn't really see any of the draft illustrations or anything until it was pretty well set um, but I did get to kind of see Sandy's illustrations um, yeah, a little bit more often, I suppose. I, and I, I hardly ever had much feedback because I just loved what she did. Um, but if there were little things, I was able to, yeah, just make little comments or whatever, and that was fine. Um, within the manuscript, I think I did put a couple of, like, illustration suggestions of things that, as I'd written it, I kind of thought, oh, that'd be funny if there was a picture of this going on. Um, and some of them... Um, were incorporated and some of them weren't or, or some different ones were sometimes incorporated instead um so yeah it's been really interesting being part of of the different processes did you with the middle grade one do you have to remove text to allow room for the for the um like do the illustrations more reflect what's happening in the text or do they also take the place of text in certain uh, spaces you know the way they do in a picture book like picture book illustrations are a whole another level of text in a way yes. they're not just reflecting what's written whereas sometimes uh with middle grade or older you know junior fiction um it's almost like you're you're seeing the character doing what's happening in the text so did you find that or did you have to remove text to make room for the illustration sometimes no i didn't i didn't um have to remove text um at all mainly they mainly reflect what's going on mm. um yeah and there's also uh you mentioned um i think there's also kind of experiments at the end of some of the chapters or little notes that edie has written as well and sometimes they've got little illustrations surrounding them as well and yeah no it's really it's it's lovely how it's done yeah excellent all right, so what, what are the same, like, you know, you've had a fairly steep learning curve here across, you know, the children's uh, end of publishing in this picture book end and also middle grade. What would you say are some of the main things that you've learned about the industry, um, you know, as you've gone through the process of getting these books ready for publication? That's a really good question. The main things I've learned, um, it is, it's just a whole other world and there's so much that, goes into a book I suppose that's probably one of the main things like a book isn't just um, an author writing something and an illustrator slapping some you know illustrations together and there's a book there's just so many people involved um, you know the cover designers and obviously the editors and the publishers and the marketing people and the publicists and um, just everything that goes into these books and all the people who um, who make their mark on it as well is really quite amazing like it's 
it's a big thing. Mm. <laughs> and then when you walk into a bookshop and you see hundreds of books and you realize there's hundreds of, you know, thousands of people involved in, in producing these, um, these things we have. Yeah, it's just quite amazing. And also, I suppose, having gone through for the first time the editing process on um, Edith Experiments book one, so um, it was quite, it was probably more involved than I imagined, like just um, in terms of even once you get through the, the structural edit and then the, um, uh, no, I've lost the name, but <laughs> the next editing process. Copy edit, that's the one. Um, and then the proofreading at the end and um, different people have proofread it and have different um, queries about different parts. There's just a lot of, um, yeah, like a lot of small things that are picked up even towards the end. Yeah. Like it's, but it's good because it kind of, it shows you that they really care about producing, you know, high quality product and that so many people will take the time to, look through it, you know, and and pick out small repetitions or small this, small that, but it all, yeah, it all makes it a really excellent product at the end, I suppose. Excellent. So you've had a busy few years. You've got, still got a young family. How are you, you know, how do you find balancing the work, the family life, the other commitments, and then also, you know, you know, you said you were continuing to work on other manuscripts, on other picture book manuscripts, on other middle grade. Like, how are you managing to to make all of that work? Yes, um, <laughs> with difficulty. No, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I guess when I first started, that was when I was on maternity leave. Um, along the way, then I was back at work as a teacher part-time and just doing it um, in the gaps and that was actually very difficult especially once I had signed the contract for Penguin because then I actually had deadlines and Mm. uh, had things to work towards and it's not very much fun like the hobby that you you had initially which was kind of your fun release time me time sort of thing uh, but then when you actually have deadlines and you're just trying to fit it in in the evenings after you get back from work and finally get the kids to sleep or on the weekends or, you know, it's not, it becomes a bit of a different thing. Mm. Um, but I basically, I took advantage of a situation that came up, which was we relocated from Brisbane to Adelaide um, in April last year. And so that was, I had been, until then, I'd been working again and my I've been fitting in the editing and everything for book one in the gaps and that was okay but I hadn't really been able to work too much on book two which yeah. was due like around middle of the year right um, and so anyway once we relocated for my husband's work we decided that um, I'd kind of take a break from teaching or from other work and just focus on writing and getting that um, that manuscript out and finishing the editing process of book one and just having a bit more time to actually devote to it. Um, yeah, so that's what I did and that was really good to be able to focus on it during the day as my work as opposed to trying to just fit it in the gaps of here, there and everywhere. Um, and yeah along the way or at the time I then thought so I'm a bit of an AWC um, <laughs> geek maybe <laughs> um, <laughs> welcome to our family <laughs> <laughs> I then saw the um, freelance writing course and so this is while I was writing book two 
but kind of you know you can't write it every single day either because then you kind of get a bit bogged down and it's yeah you kind of need a bit of variety so I thought oh I'll do one of those um the freelance writing course and just see what happens with that uh so I did that course learned about pitching and um had a million ideas for different articles I wanted to write about a million different topics and um yeah so got into freelance feature writing as well around the middle of last year so cool and how's that going for you are you finding that that's are you, you are you sort of like constantly pitching and constantly putting ideas out there and and sort of getting i getting work along the way is that is that how you find like because you have to pitch a lot as a freelance writer you are constantly yeah. pitching out ideas and then what generally happens is that all the editors say yes at once and you've got 50 million stories <laughs> to do and then you're sitting there going oh I've got no work I better pitch and send out another 50 million ideas so yes. I fully get that um, is that where you find yourself now yeah that's right so I guess um, the past six or so months has essentially been um, finishing the editing for book one and getting it ready for, ready for publishing, um, writing book two, and now we're kind of almost at the end of the editing stage of book two, and, um, yeah, focusing on my feature writing as well. So, yeah, I've been doing um, – I started off by just pitching to a million publications, getting a million rejections, um, <laughs> but a few snatches of uh, success, which was great. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I've written for – uh, places like the Australian Education Union magazine with my background in teaching, yeah. um, the Engineers Australia magazine, yeah. uh, Mind Food, Good Health, just a, a bunch of different publications, mainly on, it's interesting because it's mainly been um, STEM kind of topics, STEM and environment, which, yeah, I mean, it, it is kind of, again, a no-brainer. Makes but, perfect sense. Um, <laughs> yeah, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> so, yeah, these days I'm actually doing some ongoing work for the Engineers Australia website, so I write two or three articles a week for them, um, as well as writing for other publications, you know, when whenever I have time and, um, yeah, doing the editing that I'm doing for book two and working on a few other little fiction projects that might take off hopefully um, one day and yeah so I'm I'm living the writer's life at the moment. Living the writer's <laughs> dream. So speaking of living the writer's dream one thing that I have picked up in our conversation here today is you're actually remarkably resilient because you know you mentioned you had some picture books that didn't go anywhere and then you wrote this and it didn't happen and then but you kind of like just keep on keeping on and you know you send out your 50 million pictures and you get a whole bunch of rejections <laughs> and yet here you are so um, which is a you know it's a great I mean, it's the only way forward in this game, really. But do you have any tips for um, other writers when it comes to kind of like that dealing with rejection and, and working your way through that? Do you just go, oh, whatever, put it aside and move on? Or is do you have moments of I'm devastated? Definitely. I definitely have moments of I'm devastated. Um, but you do have to be a little bit stubborn, I think. Like, yeah. That's a good word for it. Yeah. <laughs> there are other terms, but stubborn's good. <laughs> yeah, like I wouldn't necessarily consider myself very resilient, but I suppose maybe I am. I suppose you have to be the keep going in the face of rejection. Um, but I also think it's about, it's a numbers game. And um, so if you cast a wide net, um, you'll get more responses than if you just, you know, submit one yes. or two. You know, Can you I just say, you sound like <laughs> Valerie Koo, right there. I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. It's a number scale. What a lovely compliment. <laughs> But it's so true, isn't it? Like it's it's yeah. if you just send out if you just send it out one out one idea and you put all your hopes on one idea, then you know the the rejection is deep and and awful. If you send out a hundred, then 
you know, your percentages at some point, something's got to stick, right? Definitely. Yeah, I think so. And, um, yeah, I mean, if I kind of figured, well, I, I felt like my story's good enough. <laughs> and um, so if I cast a wide net, someone will pick it up. If they don't, then it's not good enough and I'll have to rewrite it and, and make it better, I suppose. Okay. So what sorts of things are you doing um, to promote your fiction, like to promote your children's books? Are you um, are you online? I mean, have, your, have either of your publishers made suggestions about things you might do to kind of help get the, get the word out there? Yeah, so um, this has been probably the area that I was – most daunted by having to you know having to promote books and I'm a little bit shy I'm not really an out there person I I wasn't sure how yeah what it would be like basically Mm. um and yeah I didn't have I didn't have like a website or anything until recently I didn't have an Instagram an author Instagram until um the picture book came out um but I kind of just asked advice of the publishers and like what what would they um uh, like me to do or what's the best platform so they both suggested Instagram as the the best one um I haven't so I haven't actually set up Twitter or or Facebook author account or anything like that um so yeah at the moment it's still I'm kind of just swimming through murky water not really sure (laughs) what I'm doing but uh, whenever I have something interesting, I try to put it up. Like a, if I've seen someone review um, one of my books, then I repost it. Or if I've signed some copies of books, I pop it up on Instagram. Um, yeah, I'm kind of feeling my way through the dark, but also kind of noticing what other authors do and, um, yeah, seeing what I, I like the look of and what, yeah, what I'd like to try to do as well. And no, it is a, it's a whole new world, though. It's very, um, yeah, it's different. And <laughs> but where, I'm actually enjoying it more than I thought I would. Where do <laughs> so we find you? On Instagram, <laughs> oh, Charlotte. sorry, yes. Please, please find me. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> at Charlotte Barkler Books. Okay, at Charlotte yeah. Barkler Books. And Barkler is B-A-R-K-L-A. And do you have a That's website that. as well? I do. So it is charlottebarkler.com. Excellent. All right. Yeah. Now, let us finish up today um, our very interesting conversation with uh, your top three tips for writers. Okay, sure. So I had to think about this because I love – I didn't mention this, but I love listening to this podcast and I always <laughs> love listening to the tips at the end in particular. <laughs> so my first one is um, practice, practice, practice. So write lots, read lots. And in terms of writing for kids – read um, like current books modern books yeah. because kids books changed a lot since um, since we were kids not just in terms of like the style of humor or um, technology that you know feeds into books like kids with phones or whatever but also the roles of like parents and grandparents has changed and um, the style and pace of books have changed I think mm. so that's my first tip um, the second is to get used to sharing your work, which um, can be daunting, but an integral part of the process. Uh, obviously, once you do get a contract and um, and you do publish a book, your book will be shared with your editor, your publisher, the world eventually. Mm. Um, but at that initial stage of just starting writing and being a bit unsure, it can be a bit daunting to, um, to share your work, but get used to that. Um, join a writer's group, start sharing work being open to critiques and also critiquing critiquing others' work as well. Yep. 
Um, and a third one is to um, expect rejection. <laughs> I guess we talked about that a bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but also to be a little bit stubborn. Um, so rejection is, you know, it's a part of writing a book, especially when it comes to the submission stage, sending to agents and publishers, but also it's part of the writing stage, the early stage. Um, even when getting your, your writers groups or your friends to critique your work, you might get some feedback or criticism um, that you don't really like, and that's part of improving it. Um, but you also need to be a little bit stubborn in terms of um, believing in your work and not necessarily changing everything that's suggested. So I guess being open to that constructive criticism, um, but really only changing what resonates with you. Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you. (laughs) All very, very good tips. Um, Thank you so much for your time today, Charlotte. Best of luck with your three books out in, you know, five and a half minutes. And um, (laughs) good luck with whatever it is that you're writing at the moment. And hopefully we will, uh, you know, we'll see you again in a year or two with more, more books. (laughs) Hopefully. Thank you, Alison. Thank you for having me. It's been really lovely. This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, a world leader in writing courses. If you'd love to create your own picture book, a popular five-week course in writing picture books will show you how. In less than a few hours a week, you'll discover what you need to know about point of view in a picture book, structure and pace, as well as language and rhythm, finding the right voice, working with illustrators, publishing options and much more. Complete it online for ultimate convenience and receive personalised tutor feedback on your writing. Find out more at writerscentre.com.au slash picturebooks. There you go, Charlotte Varkler. So, of course, if you want to have three books out in the same year, then uh, do some courses at the Australian Writers' Centre. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're almost at the end of this week's episode. What are you doing in the coming week, Al? Uh, well, hopefully celebrating the end of my copy edit because it's de- that I'm on deadline for it, and uh, oh. so technically, yeah, hopefully, and clearly, I'll be celebrating with more cheese because yeah. that's obviously what I'm going to be needing. What did um, you buy the cheese for? I want to know. Like, what were you going to do with the cheese? And well, what kind ma- of cheese was it? Well, I was making nachos. I was just oh. like, it was just like it wasn't even exciting cheese. Yeah, but it was, it was essential. Just cheese, cheese, <laughs> but it was essential. Exactly. Because <laughs> nachos without it is not very fun. Um, yeah. Anyway, so cheese aside, uh, so I'll be doing that. And um, uh, Book Boy has a gig this weekend. I'll be carrying, you know, speakers, and I will be wow. working on my fabulous. So you want to be a writer fundraising event. What about yes. you, Gal? Make you sure doing? you go to it if you're in that region. We will put a link in the show notes. Yes, so it's in the Shoalhaven region. If out. you are anywhere in the vicinity of the Shoalhaven, please come along. I would love to say hello to you. Yep. Anything Alison does is awesome, so make sure you get to it. Um, I will not be eating cheese. I will What's... not be eating cheese till around the 8th of March, and then I will eat much cheese. Why are you waiting till the 8th of March to eat cheese? Oh, because I'm going to get um, some – my friend is going to take photos of me and when I eat cheese, you know, it just goes <laughs> straight to my face. What? So <laughs> it goes straight to your face. <laughs> Pretty That's much. So right. I'm not going to eat cheese till the photos are done. Alrighty. And then I'm going to like really – I'm going to have a cheese platter after <laughs> the, the night of, you know, the night uh, the photos are done. There you go. <laughs> All right. On that note, okay. where do we find you online, Al? 
Uh, you find me at alisontait.com, A-L-L-I-S-O-N-T-A-I-T.com. You'll find me on Twitter at, at altait, A-L-T-A-I-T, and you will find me on Facebook and Instagram at Alison Tate Writer. And you, Valerie, where do we find you? You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. And you'll find all of the show notes at soyouwannabearider.com.au. And for those of you who might have heard Rexy meowing in the background, yeah, that's my Rexy because uh, he's hanging around because there's some snap art nearby. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Writer. You'll find the show notes at writercentercomau slash podcast or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter at writerscentercomau slash news where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions and much more.